0: welcome to the unite church podcast for more information about unite church visit us at unitechurchak.org now enjoy this message from mariah anderson today we're continuing our roman series and it's my privilege to speak on romans chapter 12 so open with me in your bibles romans chapter 12 romans chapter 12 we're going to start in verse 1 we're going all the way to verse 11 And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifices, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think of yourselves as better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us many different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak it out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. (sighs) Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your presence, God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are alive and you are present in this room right now and that you wanna do something unique to today. That we're not serving just what was happening yesterday in our life, but you have something fresh, for this morning, for this afternoon. And God, I pray that you would do what only you could do in our hearts and in our minds. God, that you would anoint every word that I say and that it would fall in soft and tender hearts with, um, who are ready to respond. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you you gift us with your presence. We're excited to be in your presence, Jesus. Amen. So Romans 12 comes out of a response to the end of chap- chapter 11. So chapter 11, starting in verse 33, it says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible for us it is to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can know enough to give him advice? Who, can, who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by him for his power and is intended from for his glory. All glory to him forever and ever. So Romans 11 is basically saying, who can wrap their minds around the way that God works? Who knows so much that they understand that he could give God advice or tell him what to do? We cannot simply wrap our minds or comprehend the things that God is doing in the macro amongst nations or in the micro in your individual life day in and day out. We can't comprehend it. In comparison, we have no clue. Therefore, we open up in chapter 12, and it says, Therefore, this is what I want you to do. In light of God's sovereignty, in light of his foreknowledge, in light of how amazing he is and how small you are, Romans chapter 12 opens with a priestly scene of worship offering sacrifices, this familiar picture of a a blood sacrifice. And since we know Jesus paid the price for our sin, that God no longer needs a blood sacrifice, now he requires a living sacrifice. So what does this look like? How do we become a living sacrifice? And this is what Paul says, and this is the message translation. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering give up surrender your life to god this is your only reasonable response this is the way that you properly should live before the lord this is the only thing that makes sense logically in light of all that he's done and logic in logically in light of how big he is do your part give up your life and live for him it's so simple and this point is echoed throughout all of the word of god because you've been bought with such a high price your life is no longer your own but you live for the glory of God. And Philippians 3, 8 says, I consider everything else lost that I might gain knowing God. I consider all things garbage that I might gain God, Christ. First, first Corinthians 2, 2 says, I resolve to know nothing except for him crucified. And Galatians 2, 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. Our life is no longer our own. We lay it down. Just like he laid his life down for us, now we lay it back down and return to him as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing before him. And this is no d- different than what Jesus taught his disciples to do. He says, if you, if you want life, come and follow after me. Give up your life, pick up your cross daily, die and come follow me. If you want to find your life, lose your life. Live your life for God. Because you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of of the earth. So shine bright for all to see. Is this all sounding super familiar, church? So live worthy of the call of God on your life. The Passion Translation says, live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Don't conform, this is in verse 2 of chapter 12, we're back in Romans now. Don't conform or copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but allow God To transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Church, we're perfectly useless as ambassadors of God, of Christ, if all we do is conform to the patterns of this world. If we look just like this world, if we look just like this culture, we have lost our testimony before the world. And the key to not wasting our life with this kind of living is the renewal of our mind. Here's the deal our mind has a spirit. Our mind, in other words, has a mindset, an attitude, a posture, a demeanor that's bent, that's broken. And the problem is not just that we are limited in our mind, that we don't have all the answers, but that our mind is actually fallen. And it's set up and bent against the absolute supremacy of God. This is who we are in our own nature. We don't naturally want to see God as worthy of knowing well and treasuring above all things. We don't naturally believe that God is more infinitely worthy of praise, more than we are, more than our own accomplishments. But you, you are sons and daughters of God. But you are royal priests in his kingdom. But you are co heirs with Christ. So don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Prioritize God. Choose intentionally to die to yourself. Pick up your cross daily and pursue after him. Fix your attention on God. And this is the promise. When you do this, when you intentionally die to yourself, when you give up your life that you would find it, you're changed from the inside out. You'll be ready and able to quickly recognize the things that he wants from you and respond to it. And you will be unlike the culture around you that's always trying to drag you down to the level of its own immaturity. And instead, God will begin to do a good work in you, developing your maturity. And this well-formed maturity will empower you to discern the will of God in your life. As you live a beautiful life, satisfied and perfect in his his eyes. Listen, when we choose to die, it's when we choose to live. It's so counter-cultural to the world, The the lie of the enemy is that we're going to miss out on something. That we're giving something up. That we're losing something. That you're not going to be satisfied if you truly die. And so we start to panic and we hold on tight. And God said, let it go. Surrender your life to me. Be a living sacrifice. And I promise you're going to find your best life in me when you die. (laughs) Let it go. Be a living sacrifice, church. You are sons and daughters of God. You have the mind of Christ. Put it on. Practice it. Die to your flesh. Be crucified with Christ that you might live for Christ. It's when we conform and when we're not transformed that we experience a false expression of our faith that's not rewarding. Don't be conformed. Be transformed. So conformity comes from the outside in. It tries to work its way through limitations and rules and regulations and just a checklist. Do this. Act like this. Dress like that. Transformation comes from the inside out. So you can avoid all kinds of worldly behaviors and not be transformed. You can put all sorts of limitations, don't watch that movie, don't go to that place, don't do that stuff, whatever, all the things, and still not be transformed. And then we wonder why there is no transformation taking place in our life. But transformation is not just switching from the to-do list of the flesh to the to-do list of the law. And the Christian alternative to immoral behaviors is not a list of moral behaviors, It's a triumph in power and transformation of the Holy Spirit living through your life. The living power of God residing in you and transforming you into his likeness day after day, glory to glory, as you participate with him, as you allow him to renew your mind, as you allow him, which means he needs your permission to do it, as you give in to him, participate with him. Transformation starts on the inside before anybody sees what's happening on the outside, God started a good work on the inside of you. And he's faithful to complete it if you allow him to work on you. So we're inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how we think. And this always reminds me of um, when Jesus was transformed into glory on the mountaintop. In Matthew seventeen two, it says his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light, and something like this happens to us spiritually and morally as we journey to become like him on this earth, mentally first on the inside, and then later at the resurrection, we'll become transformed into fullness of his glory. But Jesus says this of us in Matthew thirteen, forty three, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. This is our promise that we're gonna be made in his likeness, that we are actually predestined to be made in the image of his son. It blows my mind. All we have to do is be willing to participate. Rest in the spirit. Be connected to the vine. We don't produce the good fruits of the Holy Spirit by striving to produce them. We rest in him, stay connected to him, and he does a good work in us and through us. And there are all kinds of institutions out there who are going to try to conform you from the outside in who desire to conform what you believe, but they try to transform it from the outside in, which is conformity. They emphasize behavior modification and thinking that if you perform to a certain standard, that transformation will take place. And we believe that when we do the things they say to do, then we're gonna have the reward that they've been promising us, whether it's acceptance, approval, promotion, belonging. And when that doesn't happen, we become jaded and disillusioned because we put our hope in the wrong thing. And so then we reject that thing and we say, well, then that's false, that's fraudulent. They're liars because we didn't get the transformation by conforming. So it looks kind of like this. When we, we will reject that and then we'll swing to the opposite side. So I think we have a PowerPoint. If it comes up, let me know, okay. So in the middle, we have this love-driven space. This is love-driven by the Holy Spirit, his love driving us forward to be living sacrifices. And on the other side, we have dead religion. Imagine a pendulum. You know those, bo- those balls that swing back and forth. The, <laughs> the institution will pull you towards dead religion, let's say like the church. So it pulls us into obeying the law performing for acceptance, doing all the right behaviors, all the rules. And when we do these things and we don't get the results we want, we give up, we're exhausted, we're tired, and then some of us will have an equal and opposite reaction And we'll swing to the other side of the pendulum and go into worldly living. Well, if the church can't satisfy, if the church doesn't answer these questions, if I didn't find the love and acceptance that I was expecting, and if Christians aren't as loving as I thought they were supposed to be, and if this thing, this God they say, doesn't do X, Y, and Z, then this isn't real. I'm going to find it somewhere else. I'm going to go wander and search the world and find the things that are going to satisfy my heart. It has to be out there somewhere. So then they swing out into worldly living. I need to find myself. We've all heard this, right? And on this side of worldly living, we have a lust for life. Of the things that were once off limits, not allowed by the controlling institution, and now we indulge in these. We give ourselves over to them, and our minds become debased, and they become perverted, and they become jaded and, and hard-hearted, and this is where our, ca- our consciences are seared and grow cold. So we're not even sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit anymore. And the trap here is is that we never get enough of what we don't actually need. So we stuff ourselves and stuff ourselves and medicate ourselves thinking that we're going to feel better. If I could just get enough, then I would be satisfied. Then then this thirst for life, this hunger for life would be satisfied. But we stuff it with all the things of this world, not knowing the person who created them all, not knowing the person who created you, and we... Go from thing to thing hoping to be satisfied when it's only temporary and it's fleeting. We want, and it always leaves us wanting more. And this is why the word of God tells us to be transformed or renewed or progressively changed as we mature in him. And your mind will begin to focus on godly values and ethical attitudes. Because what we focus on expands. What we focus on grows. James tells us that temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. And these desires, they give birth to sinful actions, and those sinful actions will lead us to death. Look, church, when we just do the things that we want to do, when we swing to the worldly, like, worldly side of living, we satisfy this, the lust of life, it's going to lead to death. When we fall into dead religion, no matter how good it looks on the outside, it is dead on the inside. We don't want to conform to the patterns of this world. We want to be Transformed. We want to be a community of believers who is transformed by the power of God. That way we don't look like the world, but we don't look like the dead church. I think there's enough people who have experienced dead church, and they're waiting for the, the believers of God, the sons and daughters of God, to come alive by the power of his Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And this is not something that we can do on our own. God's grace transforms the way we think then it transforms the way we believe. And then it will transform what we do. God will do it in you. And we can enable this transformation by participating, like by hanging out with other believers and encouraging each other in the word and studying the word of God. It's so good cultivating his presence. 2 Timothy 3 16 through 17 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, and that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In 1 Peter 1.13 says, therefore prepare your minds for action, being sober-minded as you set your hope fully on the grace, God's power in and through your life, that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also will be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy as I as am holy. See, when we when we have this work that's happening on the inside of our life, this transformation thing that's going on, we begin to have attitudes and make choices that are in agreement with God's will. We begin to want to act in such a way to please God because our hearts are in alignment with Him. And the things that we once thought were difficult and the things that we once thought were sacrificial in our earlier standards of living will not be by our transformed standard of living now. And people will look and they'll think, How in the world do you do that? How do you live like that? How do you go that hard after these things and not get tired and not grow weary? We're not doing it in our own strength. So becoming living sacrifices will change our inner wants and desires so that we don't feel like we're giving something up that's precious, but that we're actually gaining something more precious. And then being sacrifice, living sacrifices won't even be like being a sacrifice at all because it's what we desire. And our have-tos have been transformed into want-tos. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. It'll be easy because you'll desire it from the inside out. The Holy Spirit will simply tell you, go this way, and you'll find life in it. Okay, verse 3, and this is an illustration and an explanation of the way that the new mind thinks. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think of yourselves as better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Measure yourselves by the faith that God has given us. What, out of all the things that Paul could have gone on to after talking about being living sacrifices, pleasing and holy to God, and your expression of worship, the very next thing he finds point worthy is the way you think about yourself, church. That's amazing. So he says, think of yourself differently than the world thinks of yourself. So what is that? Paul, Paul's alternative to a worldly view of self is thinking of yourself with sober judgment. Think of yourself accurately. Don't blow yourself up out of proportion and don't sell yourself short. Have self awareness. See yourself accurately. Think of yourself with humility. And here's what I think he's saying if you want to measure yourself, don't do it by the world's standards. Don't do it by the world's standards of accolades and praises and pride or changing standards of success. But make your faith the criteria of your measurement. This is so revolutionary. Make the measurement of yourself the measure of you seeing and savoring and treasuring Christ. That's a different standard. My worth, my value, my measurement is how much do I love Jesus? How much is my in his presence Am I in alignment with him? So if we want to have significance, embrace Christ as the most, one, the most one with significance. And if we want to have value, embrace Christ as the one who is infinitely valuable. You see, faith is not looking to yourself, but looking away from yourself to Christ. So when we take stock, when we take inventory of our life, we look at Jesus. This produces a humble interdependence on others. Because we get to see them their faith reflected in Jesus And then God gets more glory through our diversity. This is profound. And it leads us right into into verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with God's body. There are many parts, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak it out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If If he has given you leadership abilities, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly the first and foremost thing that we can take away from this text is that the spiritual gifts or the gifts in this list are for the strengthening of others, but they don't belong to you. You're supposed to give them away. They're for strengthening other people's faith. So spiritual gifts are any ability that the Spirit gives you to express your faith in order to strengthen another person's faith. And in this case, these gifts, except for the one with like prophecy, are gifts that any person can have easily, naturally. They're natural endowments from God. They're just things you do. Kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Anybody can be kind. If you come and tell me, gift oh, my gift is not kindness, I'm not going to buy it. These gifts are basically natural skill sets, talents that are supercharged by the Holy Spirit to affect change by grace, by grace in your life. So the gift is not necessarily what you're doing. Catch this, church. We all get hung up wanting the gifts, the talents. But the gift is not necessarily what you're doing. It's the grace in which you do it with. So the gift is the grace that some are enabled by the Spirit to do it more heartily, effectively, and frequently than some others, which is amazing. So some people have the grace to do it and to do it well, and to do it more, and to do it stronger, to do it more passionately, and it comes effortlessly because it's supercharged by the Holy Spirit. And we're like, wow, that grace is on your life. This is, what? And so they don't get tired. They don't grow weary. They just keep giving and giving, and you're like, who are you? Why is that so easy for you? But we don't compare against one another. We, We judge ourselves by the standard of our faith. This is like, guys, I like discovered this while I was preparing this (laughs) message. I'm like, this is so awesome. It's beautiful. So any virtue at all in a believer's life, which he is able to do with passion, that benefits others is his gift. And they have the grace to do it. So it's not just the gift, but the measure of faith that we have to exercise. The gift is also a gift. And God does this to humble us, to cause us to look to him for more grace. Because we are recipients of his grace, and faith feeds on grace. God's power working in and through your life, this is God's grace. And, it is, and our faith is strengthened by the grace of, that rests on other people. And God gives us grace through our faith in Jesus. This means that God's aim in giving us these gifts is, in giving us the faith to exercise them, is that his glory might be displayed through us, leaning into his grace to do all that we do for him. And we would put him on display by the way that we live. And that the world would think that he's amazing. And that he wants us to live in such a miraculous way that the world will marvel at him and think that he's fantastic. They'll be like convinced there has to be a God because no human beings could live this way on their own. I've tried to live this way, I cannot produce it. And I see these Christians and they live like this tirelessly with good attitudes, without grumbling, complaining, without gossiping and slandering. And they just completely shine and they're like different than the whole world and when I meet them, their love doesn't taste like the counterfeit that I've been fed my whole life. It's genuine, sincere. This is, this is the grace that God promises us when we're connected to him, when we're being transformed by him and not conforming to the standards of just the church, dead religion, the to-do lists, but we're stewarding the grace of God on our life. So when we lean in to serve, when we lean in to encourage, when we lean in and we give and we die to ourselves and we live as living sacrifices, we steward the grace of God on our life. Look does anybody want more grace in their life? Do you want more favor to people? You want to hear people say, hey, when that guy prays, he's so anointed. Do you want to have favor in your life with God and have people who, like, talk about the way that you live? Then give your life away. Yeah. Die to yourself. Give up your life. Pursue Jesus. This is the only way that God increases your grace. If you got gifts, give them up as an offering to God because they came from him and they're for him and they're intended to him. And there's nothing in all the world, church, listen, there is nothing more fulfilling, nothing more joyful, nothing more meaningful and more satisfying than finding your niche in God, in his eternal unfolding of his glory as it's played out here on earth. It will light you up. It will fire you up. You will wake up with a passion in your life that you have not felt before that doesn't come from just having a good job or finding a good husband or having precious little kids. It will satisfy you in a way that has never been, you've never been satisfied before. This is unbelievable. This is what we get when we die to ourselves and we live for Christ. Verse 9 through 11, this is Paul's last little pep talk on how to live for Christ. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Let's pause right here. This goes back to the conforming thing that we talked about. So love and service is often performed out of obligation and have to, right? So loving people is like one of the most exhausting things you can do. Yes? How many of you have kids? How many of you have other needs and you're like, why doesn't anybody meet my needs? Like, we all have needs. We're needy people. We have people who are begging for things, whether it be a friend, whether it be our husband, whether it be our wife, whether it be our children, whether it be a boss. Loving people is exhausting. And Paul is saying, don't fake it. Don't fake it till you make it, church. Church. Let your love be real. This means you can't do it out of obligation. This means you can't do it from your own strength. This means you cannot do the checkbox list or my five love languages will satisfy your love languages. Like, that's faking it. These are all skills and techniques, but the real solution is found when we fall back in love with Jesus. When Jesus is our source and our love is real, when Jesus gives us a burning desire to love somebody, it comes, it comes from a new place that doesn't run dry, that doesn't run dry when it gets difficult and when it gets hard and when it gets confusing. We know I don't have to love you out of my own strength. There is a God who loves you bigger, loves you better than I could ever love you, and I am pulling, I am pulling on the grace of God to find the love of God for this person. we got to fall in love with Jesus. And he will fill us with love for others. And this is the mark of a true disciple of God, that they will know you by your love. And this is part of our vision as a church, that we will be love-driven disciples. Love-driven disciples. That there's nothing in this world, that pe- there is nothing in this world that people want more than love. And the church has offered a fake type of love for too long, counterfeit, because it's been out of conformity and out of obligation. And the world has tasted of that love, and they, they don't want it. They're waiting for the sons of God to wake up and to love real, to love big, to serve big, to be what they see in the scriptures. This is what, I mean, the world is waiting for this. And we don't have to think like the world thinks and we don't have to love like the world loves. We get to love with the Father's love. We get to think with the mind of Christ. We get to put on the, we get to put on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we get to disperse the grace of God by the way that we live. Verse 11, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Come on, in the Old Testament, they were motivated by fear because if they didn't do it just right, if they didn't get it all just right, they could be burned up to a crisp. They just like die, that wasn't good enough. Like, but now in the new covenant, what are we motivated by? If fear is not driving us to perform. Where does our motivation come from? And this is why Paul is saying, don't be lazy. Don't take your security in God because you know that you're approved of and that you're loved by and that you're accepted by and that all your sin is gone and that he's not gonna drive you through fear of punishment anymore. Don't grow lazy in your love. Don't grow lazy in your faith. Don't grow lazy in cultivating the grace of God on your life. Don't grow lazy. Don't grow lazy, but work hard. Work hard because you're love-driven, because he first loved you, so you love him back. You love him back. You love him big. You lay your life down as a living sacrifice, pleasing and holy, choosing personal holiness, choosing purity above other things, because you love God. The Lord, enthusiastically. Now our have tos become our want tos. Th- we get to partner with God in this eternal plan of salvation. We get to hold His hand and walk into dark places and bring light wherever we go. We get to season the earth with our words, with our encouragement. We get to participate, and so we have enthusiasm about that. It's a get to. So I don't. I don't have to. I get to. I want to. And this is awesome. So we do it with joy and we do it in his grace. Listen, if you are sick and tired of living the mundane Christian walk, of dead religion where you do the thing and you don't get the reward, or you've searched the world over and you just haven't found that thing, you've been stuffing and stuffing and stuffing your life and medicating your life with the things of the world, with the lust and passions of this world, and it has not left you dry and has not satisfied. There is a void in your life that will never be filled unless it's filled with Jesus. wants you to know that he's here, and it is so easy to put your faith in him. Easy. He's made it easy. <laughs> he's kicked over that old standard and made an easy way for you to come to know him. So with every eye bowed in this place right now, I wanna give you an opportunity to easily accept Jesus. By putting your faith and your trust in him and by receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, that your transformation would begin to take place in you. if that's you this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus and you are sick and tired of searching this world over to find something that will fulfill that void raise your hand and accept the free gift of salvation that was bought by Jesus is there anybody in this room anybody at all I want to give you all the time that you need to accept him All right, church, let's pray this together. Jesus, I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. Fill me up with grace that I might live full, full of your spirit, full of your power, full of your joy. God, I accept the the gift of Jesus. Repent of my sin. Transform me from the inside out. If there's anybody else here this morning who you've done the church thing and you keep swinging back and forth, back and forth between dead religion and worldly living, today can be different. You can give up that fight and run into the arms of Jesus connected to the vine we have people down here who are ready and willing to pray for you to give you a word of hope and encouragement that will set you on a new path it's as simple as today is the day don't wait If you want to break loose from conformity of this world if you're longing to be free from mere duty-driven christianity today is your day come and respond to God. So Jesus, I pray for every person. in Church, will you stand up with me as I pray? Because we're going to respond to God this morning. We're not going to leave this place until we encounter him. So Jesus, right now, we just pray that you would fill us back up. (laughs) Fill us up where we are dry and where we're weary, where we have just been doing things out of obligation, that we would fall back in love with you, God. We'd fall back in love with you, Jesus, that you would take our life and make it yours that we'd pour ourselves out as an offering before you and that you'd give us new life, new hope in Jesus' name and that we'd never be the same again. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at UniteChurchAK.org. We hope to see you soon.